The Michigan State Spartans have been Ohio State football's punching bag for the past half a decade. Whether it's 56-7 in 2021, 49-20 in 2022, or 38-3 in 2023, the Buckeyes and Spartans matchup has not been competitive, and it has been heavily one-sided in favor of Ryan Day and his coaching staff and his roster. The last time that Michigan State played competitively with Ohio State for closer to a full game than, let's say, a half or quarter or not playing competitively at all, ergo the previous, really, three seasons, was 2018 in Urban Meyer's final year with Ohio State, where Michigan State, with absolutely no offense, was playing a tight game with the Dwayne Haskins-led Ohio State Buckeyes. And eventually, the Buckeyes pulled away. And 2015 was the last time that Michigan State beat Ohio State by a score of 17-14. to I say this as a Michigan fan. I love it when Ohio State's an elite program, and I hope that Michigan State can be good soon, and they can make the best possible hire they, that they can for their next head coach. I like it personally when my team's rivals are successful and when they play solid Big Ten high-level football because it's more satisfying to beat rivals who are competitive and who are elite, and also it makes the conference in the Big Ten look even better when it's already one of the best conferences for college football in the land. But in this video, what I want to do is not only talk about Ohio State versus Michigan State and what it says about this Ohio State team, but I also want to discuss how Ohio State is preparing for Michigan and some things that I have seen from Ohio State that I like and some other things that I don't necessarily like. But welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your your host, College Football with Sam. And to help us reach 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 college football season, please hit the like button, click the subscribe button to join this awesome Big Ten football community, hit the notification bell so that you can be notified when I post more content, and also comment your thoughts and analysis on this game down below. Finally, if you want to support the channel, and your support is always appreciated, but it is never expected, and YouTube is my main focus, you can check out my Patreon page and consider joining via the link in the description, and also the link to my Patreon in the comment section, in one of my pinned comments. On my Patreon, you can have bonus content if you're an All-American or Heisman member. If you're an All-Conference member, your name will be featured at the end of the video, like every member, but you'll only get featured at the end of the video. You'll be supporting the channel, and you'll be thanked for that. If you want extra content, which includes my power rankings and also my picks that I release Saturday morning for overs, unders, picks against the spread, I personally don't bet, but I like to track my progress and just shoot my opinions out there in the world that matters to a lot of people, Vegas. That is the bonus content that you will get with occasionally a few videos and posts. Thank you very much, and let's get back to the topic at hand. A 38-3 victory over the Michigan State Spartans. Ohio State's defense once again shows out, holding Michigan State to under 200 
total yards, only 11 first downs. Michigan State did not cough up the football. They did a good job not turning it over. Ohio State did not have a turnover either. And really just overall a great performance from the Buckeyes. The offense scored 35 points in the first half and only three in the second half. Honestly, this game, and this is how bad Michigan State is, and this is also how good Ohio State matches up with the Spartans, just naturally from a schematic standpoint and from a roster build standpoint. This game more so reminded me of Ohio State's matchups against Youngstown State and Western Kentucky than they did against, let's say, Indiana or Maryland. Other teams in the Big Ten East who are closer to Michigan State when it comes to quality of team rather than Ohio State. I mean, that is just how bad, how awful Michigan State is. And in this video, I'm mainly going to be talking about Ohio State and also talking about the game, which is taking place in less than two weeks, because for Michigan State, and it's taken me a while to get this video together, but I finally have a big list of head coaching candidates. I've narrowed it down. It was an even bigger list but I've crossed off some names, and I have some names that I think would ideally fit, and even a name or two that I think could walk into Michigan State, and just by using the transfer portal and their amazing mind, they could turn the program around relatively quickly. When it comes to Michigan State, I'm mainly going to be talking about the future of their program. I'll make a video or two, but just expect one in the next two weeks talking about head coaching candidates. I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan State announces the hiring of really any candidate that they could afford, which is most candidates, right after their game against Penn State or during their game against Penn State. It's advantageous if they announce their hiring at the conclusion of the regular season rather than waiting longer, because otherwise Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and some of these other coaching jobs will be able to fill out names and as the coaching carousel quickly cools off after the regular season ends and as the postseason is stretched on and when we enter the 2024 preseason Michigan State cannot put itself in another position similar to the one they were in in 2020 they just can't do that so that's why I'm not really talking about Michigan State is because we're talking about a game we're talking about football matchups, and Michigan State right now is no different from a Group of Five program or an FCS program when it comes to product on the field. That's what they are. They are not playing like a Power Five football team. Indiana, for crying out loud, is favored to beat them this coming Saturday, and I won't be doing a preview and prediction video for that game. I may not even make, make a pick for that game. Michigan State has more talent but Tom Allen is desperate to save his job. I know Harlan Barnett and his coaching staff are desperate to get any type of win that they can get. But Ohio State, in the here and in the now, is still fighting for something. And by something, I, I don't just mean a national championship or a Big Ten championship, or even a win against Michigan, which those are the things that Ohio State's focused on and fighting for, but even if Ohio State loses to let's say they lose to Minnesota and let's say they lose to Michigan, which is the worst possible case scenario and that won't happen. They still got 10 wins 
Ryan Day still has an amazing record at Ohio State. He'd come under heavy scrutiny, but they would go to a New Year's Six Bowl. The New Year's Six Bowl would be a huge determining factor in his view or or in the fan base's view of him entering the 2024 preseason in the same way that I think the 2021 Rose Bowl against Utah, if Ryan Day lost that game, that would have furthered a perception surrounding him after that loss to Michigan that he was unfit to lead Ohio State, which was asinine, but it is what it is. That's how important the game is. Michigan State's not going bowling. We won't hear after the Spartans after they play on Friday, November 24th at night against Penn State, a game which I will be attending. For the Ohio State Buckeyes, they're 10-0. Marvin Harrison Jr. put himself in the Heisman Trophy conversation with his performance against Michigan State. He had eight receptions, actually seven receptions, but he had eight total touches because he had a rushing touchdown as well, 168 all-purpose yards, and three total touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a touchdown machine, and really, when you, you look at his play this season, he's carrying this offense. 1,063 receiving yards. He's the only Ohio State receiver to have two seasons of 1,000 or more receiving yards. And like I said just a few seconds ago, he carries this offense. Ohio State's offense was not without their faults in this matchup. They had to punt, backed up close to their own end zone. Kyle McCord threw some inaccurate passes, though overall he had one of his best games of the season. And Ohio State's offensive line, Travion Henderson was able to compensate for this because he's fast. And Ohio State overall is a much more athletic team than Michigan State. But there were times where Simeon Barrow and that Michigan State defensive line were penetrating Ohio State's offensive line. But Ohio State has such elite skill position talent that even with Michigan State finding a way to worm through that Ohio State offensive line that sometimes plays like a rotten apple, just to fulfill the worm in the apple analogy, the wide receivers, tight ends, Cade Stover got a reception in this game, so it's nice to see that he's getting healthier. Henderson, they're all athletic, they're strong, they have good hands, and Kyle McCord, he's a top 10 quarterback. So if you have that and you're playing a defense who can get some penetration, but they really can't do much else, and they have one of the worst secondaries in football, you're golden, and you're going to score points, and that's exactly what Ohio State did mainly using Marvin Harrison Jr. to score those points. He had over 100 receiving yards through the air, seven receptions, tied with Cade Stover, actually, who had seven receptions for 79 yards and one receiving touchdown. Don't know why I thought he only had a handful or a single reception, but he was active in this game. And I think that this was Kyle McCord's best game of the season. I think that Ohio State went counter to my prediction in this game they passed the ball more than they ran and I think that's good I think that that's what you want to do to maximize your chances of winning overall if you're Ryan Day and you're Ohio State with Travion Henderson you can run now Ohio State has had I think three games in a row where they've ran for over four yards per carry 
which sounds like something that's a bare minimum or even below standard for the Ohio State, but given their offensive line and Henderson being out for a few games, that's actually impressive. And look, if you're Ohio State right now, is this team perfect? No, but they have a perfect player in Marvin Harrison Jr. You have an elite running back in Travian Henderson and a quarterback in Kyle McCord who is getting better week after week after week. And I think that Ohio State is, look, they're a top four team. There's a reason that they're number one in the college football playoff rankings, which will change tonight, of course. The time of this recording is just after 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But they're a great team. And this is a team with explosiveness. This is a team who has been built through recruiting and even through the transfer portal to be more of a quick-striking spread rather than a slow smash-mouth pro spread. And there have been times where I feel like Ryan Day and Ohio State have tried to imitate Michigan, and you can't do that. Michigan did something against Penn State that I think even with Travion Henderson, the Buckeyes wouldn't have been able to do. And that was Michigan brilliantly. This wasn't a dumb move. This was a calculated move, knowing that Michigan, as long as they played conservatively and tackled well on defense, which they had done all year, that Penn State wouldn't be able to score. Michigan ran the football every play and still got over 200 yards on Penn State's defense. They did. And a large part of that is because Michigan's offensive line, especially on the interior, is elite. Tackle, there are some problems, especially in pass protection, but for run blocking, Michigan's offensive line I still think is elite. They've been able to run the football for over 4.5 yards per carry despite every defense they faced stacking the box on them. And Michigan has enough depth to where they can line up six or seven offensive linemen in a formation and execute well. Ohio State's not built like that. In the same way that it would be asinine for J.J. McCarthy to come out in, you know, five wide receiver sets and throw it for 40 times, which would make me yell at a level that would break my microphone, Ohio State's not built to be this team who can pound the rock and be uber physical and bully everyone. That's not who Ohio State is. And Ohio State at times tried to do that last year too much, didn't play to their advantage. And they've tried to do it sometimes this season, more often than in previous seasons, and it hasn't played to their advantage. And I think it doesn't help the offense. It hinders the offense. I understand that currently in the game, in the view of the game, at least, between Michigan and Ohio State, that Michigan is the better-built team when it comes to Big Ten play. They're the more physical team. They're the, the deeper team. They're the tougher team. They have a lot more experience, and part of that's due to the COVID year, better strength and conditioning, and better development, I think, better position coaches, at least on average over the past few seasons. Now, this year, Ohio State winning in Ann Arbor could totally change that perception. Marvin Harrison Jr. said he was honored to be in the Heisman conversation, but he wants to beat Michigan and win the Big Ten. There's plenty of motivation for Ohio State, just like there's plenty of motivation for Michigan. And 
you will never hear me say this early, that Michigan owns Ohio State. They only have two wins in a row in 21 and 22. Ohio State still has controlled the rivalry for the past 20 seasons, but putting our not necessarily recency bias glasses on, but talking about games that matter in the sense of players on both rosters who remember playing against the other team. Michigan right now knows how to beat Ohio State. They're confident in being able to beat Ohio State. And on top of that, they're more physical, they're better developed, and whether it's Indiana, whether it's Michigan State, likely Minnesota, even though we haven't seen Ohio State play them yet, or anyone else, Rutgers, probably Maryland this weekend, although again, Maryland and Minnesota, they could upset Ohio State or Michigan, or Michigan or OSU could have a combined 200 points and allow zero to both of those teams. Michigan, when it when you compare the games between common opponents, Michigan has looked better in basically every matchup, and they've looked like the more well-rounded team. So how do you compensate for that? Well, you play to your strengths. You maximize your chances to win. And in my mind, I debate whether Ohio State, going back to their roots, going back to their inner core, I think is just a term that I'm, I like to use better. I don't know whether Ohio State passing the ball more than they run maximizes their chances of beating Michigan, because Michigan is a team that likes to be physical, likes to control the clock, and they like to commit trench warfare. They play football World War I style. It's a war of attrition and psychological warfare and slowly breaking down and constricting opposing teams. Ohio State under Ryan Day likes to play football the World War II way. We are going to blitzkrieg you, and we will strike so quickly that you don't know what's coming. That's how it used to be, at least. Over the past two seasons, Ohio State quick strike. Even against Michigan, Ohio State had long touchdown passes to Garrett Wilson in 2021 and to Marvin Harrison Jr. in 2022. But Michigan, and this is especially advantageous to them in colder weather and in Big Ten play, Michigan wars in the trenches, and football is about trench play. If you control the trenches and the lines of scrimmage, you often control the clock, and unless you make mistakes, controlling the clock, thereby controlling the game and controlling the lines of scrimmage, gives you a huge advantage. And that's why Ohio State and Ryan Day, I think, have sacrificed, in some cases, a lot of their offensive production to try and stubbornly run the football, because they want to get used to being physical. Well, earlier in the season, part of me thought that Ohio State needed to run the football more, even if it didn't work, because it would help train them to be more physical or help them control the clock more and just get them more prepared for the Michigan game. I also had in the back of my mind that outside of the game against Michigan, Ohio State sticking to their core identity helps maximize their chances to win in basically every other game, if you really want to think about it. Outside of, I'd say, 
a few teams outside of a Notre Dame who's very physical and they like to run the football. And maybe outside of a team like Georgia who can run the football and has a very good offensive line. But even then, Ohio State last season and in 2021, outside of their matchups against Michigan and Oregon in 2021, passing the ball, quick strike, occasionally, you know, you go three and out as a consequence or you lose the T.O.P. battle. That was how they maximized their chances to win. So part of me thinks that Ohio State should replicate what they did against Michigan State for the rest of the season. They run, they selectively run with Travion Henderson, with Chip Trainum, Xavier Johnson, even Evan Pryor got some carries. And maybe you be creative and mix in some end-arounds with Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, and Julian Fleming to test the outside. But I think that passing the ball, as long as McCord is accurate and he's protected, which the O-line did a decent job of protecting him, and he looked accurate in this scheme, and this is definitely a confidence booster for him, utilize your wide receiver core, utilize your tight ends, and Travion Henderson can run the football. And I think he will consistently even against a team like Michigan, find ways to gain yards because he can make something out of nothing and he can compensate for an offensive line that has been disappointing, to say the least. For Michigan State, I'm going to keep this analysis relatively short because there isn't much to talk about. 182 offensive yards, zero touchdowns, a long field goal from Jonathan Kim. The Spartan season has been over for quite some time. Special teams are great. Michigan State really needs to make a bomb higher. I mean, they, they need to deliver a nuke to the Big Ten. Who is that exactly? Well, that can be Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer is one of the few coaches, maybe the only coach, who Michigan State could realistically hire, and within one year, they look wildly better. And they win games, which according to their talent composite, they shouldn't be able to win or they compete with Michigan on the road, or they compete with Ohio State, or they compete with Penn State. They, they compete with the top programs in the Big Ten in year one. That would be Urban Meyer. But you could also grab Kalen DeBoer. You can bring in Lance Leipold, and people will criticize his age, but what if he brings Jalen Daniels with him? If J.J. McCarthy goes to the draft... And unless Kyle McCord or Drew Aller wildly improve, Jalen Daniels would be the best quarterback in the Big Ten as long as he's healthy. That's a nuclear bomb. You have the best quarterback. You likely bring in Andy Kotelnecki, the offensive coordinator of Kansas, along with Leipold. And now you have a creative offense that can also run the football with limited talent. Kansas has limited talent. It's not like they've been recruiting five stars over the previous two seasons, and that's why they're better. It's because Lance Leipold is a proven winner everywhere he's gone, and he's an elite developer, and his staff is creative. He could be another coach that could turn Michigan State around, maybe not immediately, but I'd expect in year two, year three, probably year one as well with the portal, and knowing that Michigan State does have some serious talent in segments, there would be a decisive turn of events in Michigan State's favor on the football field by hiring Leipold. I mentioned Kalen DeBoer. He's had success everywhere he's gone. You want to pass the football, sling it around everywhere, while having a defense that 
isn't elite but is better than what Mel Tucker provided for you, well, Keelan DeBoer's a great choice. Maybe we really go out of the box and bring in, credit to Mike Valeni for this, Jamie Chadwell, another offensive mind, Chip Kelly, and bring his defensive coordinator, bring his entire staff. I think defensive coordinator's name's DeAnton Lynn. And UCLA is one of the best defenses in the country, and that with Chip Kelly's offensive mind, well, maybe you could build a powerhouse at Michigan State as long as the boosters are really involved in name, image, and likeness, and Kelly can recruit more rather than just exclusively use the transfer portal for the most part. You'd also get Dante Moore. You can bring Dante Moore home, and for a while, Michigan State was trying to recruit him. Maybe they get him anyway, just with a different head coach. Or maybe Jonathan Smith. He's an alumni of Oregon State, so I'm doubtful that he'll leave, and he's never been east of the Rocky Mountains. But if you want power spread, if you want elite offensive lines every year, if you want quarterback play that isn't elite but gets the job done, and I think DJ Uyunglele probably has another year, maybe more, of eligibility. I could be wrong. And also, Oregon State has consistently had one of the better defenses in the Pac-12. Maybe you go that route. I think Michigan State has a lot of qualified coaches they could choose from. I really believe that. Um, I don't think Harlan Barnett is one of them, but I do think that Harlan Barnett, the job that he's done managing the locker room and being able to squeeze a win out of a team that's looked totally dysfunctional, that's admirable. Courtney Hawkins, I think, is the only member of the staff, though, who should be employed by the university. He's done a great job of developing wide receivers every year he's been at Michigan State. And he has ties to the school, so he'd be a useful assistant for anyone who's the future head coach or future coordinators for the university. It's hard, it's hard right now to be a Spartan fan. And I hope, as a Michigan fan, as a Wolverine, that you all make the right hire. And it's a better hire than what ended up becoming of the Mel Tucker coaching era at Michigan State. So for the Spartans, they're guaranteed to have a losing season. They're 3-7. and seven. They're probably going to finish 4-8 and eight at best, 3-9 and nine at worst. I'm hoping, and for Michigan State fans, they're probably praying that the day of that matchup against Penn State, similar to the day of the Iowa-Nebraska matchup last year when Matt Rule was announced as the head coach, that Michigan State has found their coach of the future, and that it's a big-time hire and not you know Chris Creighton of Eastern Michigan or Jason Candle of Toledo or Chuck Martin of Miami of Ohio. Go out and get a big name. You have the money, and it's going to be the only way that you are going to return to the Mark D'Antonio level of success, or even get close to that. That will be hard to replicate now that the Big Ten's becoming stronger and divisions have been abolished, but it is what it is. The Buckeyes' defense bends but does not break down. The offense hummed. The tight end room has depth. That's something that I wanted to mention. Stover is healthy, plus G. Scott Jr. has showed signs of improvement, plus Jelani Thurman exists. Jelani Thurman being a 6'6", 258-pound freshman tight end. That is bonkers athleticism right there. 
They have depth at tight end. And that is actually an encouraging sign if you're an Ohio State fan because the tight end room is a position that is growing in usage over the past few seasons at different schools, whether it's Michigan, whether it's most prominently Georgia with Brock Bowers and now Oscar Delp. And last year, geez, I, I forget his name, but ridiculously good tight end, massive size. Um, I'll, rem- I'll remember his name in a bit. But tight end is a physical position. It involves blocking. It also involves catching. And Michigan, part of their success has been with Eric All or Luke Schoonmaker at tight end over the previous two seasons. Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner have come on the scene, and they have contributed to Michigan's success, just as an example. Penn State, they've had great tight ends for several seasons, and Ohio State has had some of their better offenses with Jeremy Ruckert at tight end being a reliable blocker and receiver. To get more depth outside of just having one good tight end in Stover is awesome. Also, the name of that Georgia tight end, Darnell Washington. How could I forget his name? Having, you know... Brock Bowers, Oscar Delp, Darnell Washington, elite NFL-level tight end depth. You want to have that at every position you can possible, and the tight end position is a versatile position. Tight ends are weapons, like wide receivers, like running backs. They're not traditionally thought of as a skill position. They are definitely a skill position, and to be a masterful tight end requires a lot of skill because you have to block often. You have to catch the ball often. With Brock Bowers and Jaheim Bell, sometimes you have to run the ball on tight end end rounds, or in the case of Jaheim Bell, you can be used as a running back. It is a Swiss Army knife position, and if Ohio State, if they want to become more physical, but you also want to stick to what you're good at, what Ryan Day is good at, what the offensive staff and roster are built for, and what they game plan for, what they love the most— What is their identity? And that spread offense, the quick striking, really the quick striking Cobra is a great analogy to use for Ohio State's offense of the previous two seasons. And Ohio State's offense, whenever their quarterback and wide receiver room is clicking, that's Ohio State's identity right there. And if you want to stick to that identity while also becoming more physical, having a deeper tight end room is a good way to do that. I mean, Brock Bowers can attack vertical. He can be a deep threat. He can also be a short to intermediate threat. He can block. Having a great tight end is masterful. That's what makes Cade Stover such a critical player. And that's why I said you got to keep him healthy. You have to keep him and Henderson healthy if Ohio State wants to maximize their chances of beating Michigan. I think Travion Henderson, for example, matters more for the Michigan game than Marvin Harrison Jr. does. If Marvin Harrison Jr. goes down, and I hope that he doesn't, Ohio State has a Mecca Igbuka. They have Julian Fleming. They have Carnell Tate. It's a drop-off in production. But going from Travion Henderson to trip train him with the situation at offensive line, your run game goes from being a threat to now Michigan can only rush three or four people and you run for one yard per carry. And at that point, you have to run an air raid. You're not going to beat Michigan and Steve Klinkscale's secondary running an air raid, and you're dead. And Ryan Day has suffered his third loss to Michigan. Cade Stover might even be more important than Marvin Harrison Jr. when it comes to the Michigan game. 
and maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but having players who can contribute to the ground game, tight ends especially with their blocking, and also someone who can have a mismatch against Michigan's defensive backs or linebackers in coverage, Marvin Harrison Jr. is that, but he's going to be double covered. Michigan is going to have their eyes locked on him. Being able to sneak in Stover or get Travion Henderson active in the run game and also out of the backfield as a receiver is critical. The trench play for the Buckeyes, speaking of which, is still, it's still vulnerable. Michigan, as I mentioned earlier, is the better team in the trenches on both sides of the football. Ohio State might be better, maybe, at defensive tackle. Michigan has a better pass rush. Michigan is better at defensive end. Michigan overall is better at the defensive line. They have the better run defense. They have the better pass defense factoring in pass rush. I'm still not ready to say that Michigan has the better secondary than Ohio State. Ohio State has played more competent passing offenses. And I'm really impressed with what Denzel Burke and Josh Proctor are doing. But what Mikey Sainer still, Will Johnson, and Rod Moore are doing, I could change my mind on that take after Michigan plays probably the best passing offense they faced all season in the Maryland Terrapins this Saturday. Geez, Michigan is 10 games through, and they have not faced a good passing offense. That's that's pretty sad. But Ohio State has to find, they have to find some kind of advantage to exploit, and they have to game plan harder, they have to work harder, they have to work smarter than Michigan. They do. They're going on the road. Michigan, for the first time in ages, is actually power-ranked ahead of Ohio State in basically every metric. They have home field advantage. Maybe if Jim Harbaugh isn't coaching in the game, that will be one of the few advantages that the Buckeyes have over the Wolverines outside of perimeter play on offense at receiver. But Ohio State, they have work to do. And they it is time to focus on Michigan, and it's probably been that way for the past week or two, especially since their matchup against Rutgers. However, in the same way that Michigan cannot overlook Maryland, Ohio State cannot overlook Minnesota, Georgia cannot overlook Georgia Tech, Michigan or Ohio State couldn't afford to overlook Michigan State, and they didn't. They both annihilated the Spartans. So, I think the game is going to be great. I currently think that the the matchup favors Michigan. I think that most of us can agree on that, at least on paper. But football games are not decided on paper. I think Ryan Day is an elite head coach, and elite head coaches can find ways to win. They can. It will once again be a battle, and I think it will be a more competitive game than the one that Ohio State had against Penn State and potentially more competitive than the one that Michigan had against Penn State. So thank you guys so much for watching this video. Remember to check out my Patreon page if you want to sponsor the channel, if you want to get involved more. There's no pressure, though. Thanks to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for being Heisman Patreon members. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, NoDDLC, and SFS Inverted for being All-American Patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Za for being all conference patrons. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.